Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Doral Toyota. More than 1,200 cars in inventory, in-house financing available for credit-related issues. You'll work with a dedicated concierge manager, not just a salesperson. Make sure you mention Five Reasons or Five on the Floor when you go to the dealership. They're conveniently located just three blocks east of Dolphin Mall that's in Doral, pricing at an all-time low not only that, but they'll beat any other Toyota dealer price. So check out DoralToyota.com. That's DoralToyota.com. Come see them and ask for the friends and family department. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is Ethan Skolnick out here in Las Vegas, and I'm not exactly sure when this one's going to post, but recorded this one during Las Vegas Summer League, doing a series of episodes on Jimmy Butler prior to his announcement with the Miami Heat. And now I'm going to talk to somebody who saw the rise of Jimmy from a number 30th overall pick, playing 44 games with no starts in his rookie year, to a guy who's demanding or commanding a max contract and now has been with two other teams, Casey Johnson, who covers the Chicago Bulls up there for you still with the trib, right? I am. You are like the last newspaper man standing, right? Is that how that works? Trip still prints, yeah. We got an <laughs> online site, www.chicagotribune.com. We're good. How much did they just not pay you to promote them? Uh they just did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been working up at the trip for a long time as kind of one of the uh, the big time authorities on the Chicago Bulls and was there covering on the other side of all those big three versus uh, Bulls games uh, with Noah, you know, saying Hollywood is hell and everything else that was going on during those times. Fun times. I miss those times. Uh, but I want to go back to the beginning with you with Jimmy. When they first got him, what kind of player did you think that the Bulls were getting? We thought they were getting a tough-minded defensive specialist. Um, you know, you mentioned already how little he played his rookie year. He actually came in under pretty unique circumstances because his draft summer was the NBA lockout, 2011. Mm-hmm. Bulls are coming. You meant it's funny you just mentioned the the meetings with the big three because Bulls are coming off that conference finals in mm-hmm. 11. Bulls versus Heat. Bulls are a team on the rise. Um, Derrick Rose is the reigning MVP, and then. You know, Bulls used the last pick in the first round on this kid from Marquette that mm-hmm. just looked like a tough, kind of limited, defensive kind of wing player. You mm-hmm. didn't you didn't have high expectations for him, and then he wasn't allowed to be around the team because the NBA lockout mm-hmm. happened. So 
we didn't have any contact with him that summer, and, and the Bulls didn't have any contact with him that summer, and then the lockout ends, and he barely plays his rookie year. Um, so, you know, his rise has been pretty well documented, but as someone, as you mentioned, who saw it from the start, it mm-hmm. still is pretty astounding to me uh, the level of player that he has become. So you start to see the progress now again. The first season didn't play a whole lot. Second season plays more, but they still had Dang, obviously, at the wing spot. And obviously you had Derek was kind of still driving the driving the train at that point until he had all the injuries and Noah was a force in the locker room. When did Jimmy start to make his presence known on the court? And when did he start to get more comfortable off the court? Well, I think a big uh, thing that I always point to is uh, when he turned down the extension offer from the Bulls off his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, they offered him about a four-year, $44 million deal. And, you know, you think that'd be good money, especially for a guy who... Mm-hmm. Hadn't been playing. He'd been playing it a little bit. He'd worked his way into the rotation, but wasn't you know a star player by any means yet. And he turned it down. And and not only that, he famously said, you know, I'm I'm betting on myself. And mm-hmm. that was the year that he won uh, NBA's Most Improved Player. Uh, his scoring average jumped from 13 points a game to 20 points a game, and then ended up signing a max contract with the mm-hmm. Bulls. So that decision cost the Bulls about 50 million dollars <laughs> and made Jimmy about 50 million dollars. He signed about a. $95, $96 million contract. So that to me is the thing that really pointed to me. That's when it pointed to me like this guy and the confidence has become, um, you know, linked to him. I mean, like he's mm. a really boastful, not, not boastful is probably the wrong word, but he's a very confident, strong-willed, strong force in the locker room. And when he did made that decision, that to me is when when you kind of knew, like, all right, this guy means business. I want to talk to you about two different relationships he had there because I heard a lot of uh, sort of talk about it. You guys, Bulls riders, you like to talk a little bit. And, again, I was around you guys a lot yeah. because we were playing you guys a lot. Yeah. I would say we. I wasn't doing anything, but I was watching them play. Um, but the first relationship is with Noah. How did that one play out? Well, it's been well documented. The, the 15-16 um, season, which was – uh, a crazy season to begin with because uh, it was Fred Hoiberg's first season um, and it was the end of coming off the Tom Thibodeau reign and you know Jimmy at that point there was a there were, that was a pretty dysfunctional team uh, there was a power struggle in the locker room as far as the leader I mean Joakim Noah was always looked upon as the emotional leader of the Bulls and Derek was in a leadership role just simply from his talent and you know Joakim and Derek remember Jimmy is this, you know, eight minute a guy, you know, spot minute guy in his rookie year who barely played. And clearly his talent was coming, but then his personality started to emerge and he started to kind of ruffling some feathers and, and, you know, forcing his personality and his leadership style on the team. And it wasn't going over well in the locker room. So, um, Joakim and Jimmy are, fine now mm-hmm. but that 15-16 season it was it was pretty palpable I mean we all wrote about it it was pretty dysfunctional within that locker room all right now Derek because that's the one there was the most talk about well th- that one's to me even more fascinating because they're like actually really tight again now mm-hmm. um but see the, the thing about Derek is Derek is a passive he's a passive aggressive guy he's got mm-hmm. he's got he always he's a pretty chill personality he doesn't even really want to be in a leadership role mm-hmm. he just always is because of it you know, before all the injuries because of his talent level. Um, but, you know, Derek and Jimmy in 15, 16 did butt heads a little bit just from, you know, an on-place, on-court style. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy was starting to man the ball more and need the ball more, and Derek was used to being the dominant player on that team. 
Um, and then when Jimmy again was kind of, you know, uh, trying to take ownership of the team, Derek and Joaquin were kind of looking like, you know, who's this guy? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, but I will say this, like, I know this for a fact, their relationship in Minnesota got really, really tight. Uh, mm-hmm. and Derek actually really, really helped Jimmy navigate, uh, that situation when he was out, you know, publicly requesting a trade request. And Derek was very much in Jimmy's corner, like, You've got the power here. Stay true to who you are and what mm-hmm. you want. And their relationship got got very, very strong. But for, for the 15-16 season, it was a little bit rocky. All right, now the one the Heat fans care about. We, we don't like to talk in Miami about Dwayne's year in Chicago. Even, did, it, did it even happen? Did, well, even less about the half they have here in Cleveland. That one is totally erased from, I mean, every, one last dance, you know. that's that's we, we don't talk about any of that stuff. Uh, but from afar, it was interesting because, you know, Dwayne – with us in South Florida, uh, you know, there, there were choppy moments at times when Shaq came in, for instance, and Dwayne's profile rose and he kind of went from the very, very quiet kid who had nothing to say to somebody who was a little bit Hollywood at that stage. And then even the big three era, at times he could get a little chippy because we were always harping on his knee and he didn't want to talk about his knee anymore. But we were surprised, I guess, that he would ever be perceived as a locker room problem in Chicago, and it seemed to be associated with Jimmy, like it was Dwayne and Jimmy against the world. Is it that what it was? Well, um, well first, that, that relationship between those two is, as I'm sure you know, like incredibly mm-hmm. tight and incredibly mm-hmm. legit. Um, two Marquette guys, mm-hmm. uh, two guys who feel like they kind of worked and built themselves up from, you know, a lot of people who doubted them and overcame a lot. I mean, Dwayne's obviously at a much higher level in terms of what he's accomplished in his career, but um, their bond was real, it was palpable, it was genuine. What I will say about those two is they they did, um, they were clearly the the biggest personalities on the team or or the stars of the team, Um, and Dwayne's return to Chicago, his homecoming, was very celebrated by the Bulls, so he, in that realm, he was held up on high and, and Jimmy was the best player on the team, so they were kind of a pairing that kind of operated a little bit on an island, on mm-hmm. like a little higher plane than the rest of the locker room. But then you bring Rajon Rondo into the mix. <laughs> you, you got a guy who uh, calls BS when he sees it and mm-hmm. also is a very strong personality and is a leader. And what Rajon did, because this is who he is, is he glommed onto the younger players. And mm-hmm. he, he takes younger players under his wing. That's what he's done throughout his career. Uh, and so the big incident that where everything bubbled over was there was a, a horrible home loss to the Hawks in mm-hmm. January, and Dwayne and Jimmy both just lacerated and incinerated the, all the young guys and basically mm-hmm. threw them all under the bus. And there was a play where Paul Zipser, a very unheralded play. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Better took a critical shot at a time when, you know, Jimmy and Dwayne wanted the ball. And they just basically threw everybody underneath the bus. And it just flamed through the comments. And then the next day, Rajon Rondo posts on Instagram, like, that's basically not how you lead a team. And mm. it blew up into a huge team meeting where players like Jaron Grant and Bobby Portis uh, went at Wade and Butler, and they're basically saying, like, Dwayne, you know, how can you, like, call us out when you're not even practicing every day mm-hmm. because you're in the veteran stage of your life? So it was mm-hmm. it was pretty ugly. Um, uh, and it's re- remarkable to me that that team ended up recovering from that incident in late January and not only making the playoffs, but if you remember, they took a 2-0 lead as the before Rondo got hurt before Rondo breaks his thumb um, mm-hmm. over the number one seed of Celtics. So, uh, and what's crazy, and we always say this in Chicago, like if Rondo doesn't break his thumb and they win that series, mm-hmm. the Bulls would have run that back. They, mm-hmm. they would have run back. The, we, we, they, uh, Rondo dubbed them the three alphas, which mm-hmm. is a hilarious nickname. They would have run back Wade Rondo. Wade, Rondo, and Butler. So, you know, Dwayne might not even have come back to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. You're not allowed to say that. Well, he wouldn't have got to Cleveland. That, that's yeah, a, they so were the Cleveland part is, of it. Yeah, we spared us the Cleveland experience. Um, let's get to Jimmy as a, well, as a player, but also, uh, you know, he goes to play for Tibbs. And I think one of the concerns that comes up, and I know obviously you, you had a long-standing working relationship, I don't know, I, don't, I would say with Tibbs, but around Tibbs, uh, directly, you know, in some ways with Tibbs. Uh, but one of the concerns is that people say, well, Jimmy's going to be 30, but he's really 35 in Tibbs years. How much of a concern is that? Because you were there when he's playing Jimmy 48 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, we haven't seen the body breakdown yet, but at some point, every, even LeBron's is starting to right now. You start to see it at some stage. I discount that theory pretty uh summarily and quickly because Jimmy is as well conditioned and mm. as serious of a trainer trainee uh that I've been around that mm. that it, this is not even like cliche speak that dude puts in work in mm. the off season he's always working out he's always taking care of his body um he he and he relishes he relishes the workload he mm. used to even joke like when I was a rookie not playing eight nine minutes a night I wanted to play all 48 minutes so who am I to say don't play me so um, and look, if you just even look at the playoff run with the 76ers in that 76ers Raptors series, he was the 76ers best player on the court. It wasn't mm-hmm. even close to me ever to think 22, seven and like five and a half. So, um, he, he's a guy who doesn't shrink from the big moments. Mm-hmm. He embraces confrontation. He embraces challenge and he embraces, um, the workload. So I, I, I do know, yeah, you're entering the years where you start paying attention to things like breaking down, but. I, I think that guy's going to play at a very high level for the Heat. Even though he's – my concern about him from a playing level, the only one I would have is that he's about a 33% shooter from three. Yeah, he's not a three-point shooter. And we see that guys, as they get older and they can't do certain things they used to do, that they need to rely on that a little bit more. Is there room for growth there for him? I mean, he's not a high, high-volume guy, right. but he shoots enough of them. Uh, I will say also this. He hits big ones at mm-hmm. big moments. He does not shrink from big moments, so – he hits important threes. He doesn't take a lot. You're right. Where I would say that Jimmy's going to be okay there is he is he is so strong, and, and I know the game is predicated on pick and roll and, and three pointers, but he he can overpower a lot of defenders just with his strength and get to his spots. So he his mid range game to me, even though 
you know, he may start slowing in terms of age, his strength will allow him to kind of get to where he wants to go on the court. If I was to say to you, Jimmy Butler is best suited to be the best, second best, or third best player on a good team, what would you say? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that's a really good one because that was the Bulls' whole theory in uh, in trading him and mm. blowing it up and doing the full rebuild. So they didn't think he was the first. They in their in their mind, the, 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 I'm not saying they're right. They they went 42 and 40 and 41 and 41 mm-hmm. with him as lead guy after mm. Derek and Joakim declined or Derek was traded and so that they're like he can't be the lead guy on a championship team so it's a, it's a great debate but see then i always say like it, in minnesota like, he was pretty damn good as the was he the lead guy i guess that's the question oh, or was towns yeah in terms of force of personality he's certainly no was. but to me even talent and that's yeah. why i point to that 76 er series mm-hmm. just look at the stats he was better than Embiid. he was better than simmons right he was better than tobias harris against the raptors he was the best player on the 76ers so I'm going to waffle here and not give you a good answer. But I just, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you it's a great question because, right. like, I live that debate. And um, he's a really, really good player, in, and he's a really, really good player in big moments. But I also saw the Bulls go 42 and 40 and 41 right. and 41 with his, him as the lead guy. And right. that's not all on him, but, right. Right. you know. How will he embrace being – look, Miami needs a face right now. The other teams are terrible. They're rebuilding. I mean, we're putting our hopes in Josh Rosen, who was like the 42nd-ranked quarterback in the NFL last year. Uh, the Marlins may be good with Jeter in 2048. Uh, nobody cares about the Panthers, unfortunately. The Hurricanes look great until Florida beats them by three touchdowns in the opener. Sorry, Canes fans. Uh, it's always about the heat, and Dwayne's gone, and even moving to Los Angeles with Gabby. So... Jimmy's going to be the face of this town, unless between now and the time this pod airs, Russell Westbrook's in Miami. How will he? Uh, how will he embrace that? Do you think? He's a man of the people. Mm-hmm. He loves that. He, he's a man of the people. He loved being out front and center in Chicago. Um, he's got a very, very strong personality. That's well documented. So um, it's going to be a little weird for me to see him, you know, as the face of South Beach. But he also has Dwayne Wade's stamp of approval, and right. Dwayne walks on water there, obviously, for good reasons. So um, he'll 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 handle that no problem. He he he, he I, I'm telling you, he loves confrontation and he mm-hmm. loves challenge. So anything you throw at him, he's like, bring it on. I got well. That see, that's why I think it's a great fit in Miami because uh, uh, Pat and Eric will go at him. And, you know, the thing about Spolster is I've always said he's not the best at communicating with role players, but he will go toe-to-toe with the stars a little bit. And I keep hearing these stories about Philadelphia that Brett Brown didn't want to coach him anymore. A lot of the other assistants don't want to coach him. Right, that it was that he was chewing guys out in practice and they didn't want to handle Like, uh, Riley, like, n- will do the opposite of fining him for that. Like, he will find a way to get him more money under the salary cap rules for being confrontational in practice. That's what he wants, right? And he's written books about that. He did it with the Knicks. He did it at other places. So I feel like that part of it will be good with him. But the final question I have for you, so again, we don't know what's going to happen with Russ. Russ has a similar reputation. Go hard all the time. Very difficult to play with. A lot of guys seem to leave him. Is Jimmy Butler, in your view, the kind of player that other players in the NBA want to play with? I will say uh, my answer to that will be he, he's, not a, he's not a unifying leader. Mm. He's a force of nature leader, okay? So, uh, but that said, he has good relationships with, with star players. Um, um, although, you know, I say that, I mean, well, Wade, Wade is an example of right. on the pro side, but then I say that, you know, 
he didn't get along with Towns and uh, mm-hmm. and Wiggins and Wiggins and in uh, you can't even call Wiggins a star, but right. by, by when you're by a salary, salary cap dump, yeah, right, right? You're no longer a star. Uh, and and in Philly, um, you know. I don't know what his. I actually can't speak to his relationship. I heard it was good with Embiid. Okay. Um, I don't know about Simmons, but okay. I did hear it was good with Embiid. But, but he he has strong relationships with uh, with um, stars in, around the league. But he's not a unifying leader. He's mm. he's a he's a my way or the highway, and you got to match my intensity and work ethic level type leader. So. At least he'll have Riley and Spolster in his corner, right? Well, I was going to say, I mean, he's basically an embodiment of Pat in a lot of different ways, which, you know. <laughs> Pat, I always say, everybody talks about Pat being Showtime, but as, as Dan Levitard says, he's really Schenectady. He's, uh, he's a street fighter still who used to hustle people at the pool tables, and Jimmy's down there playing dominoes. You know, this exactly. is, it struck me like, I can see why there was this, and from everything I've heard too, it was Spo who wanted it more than Pat did. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. All right, so again, where can people read your work? Uh, www.chicagotribune.com. <laughs> if you're in Chicago, you can buy one of those things called a newspaper. There, you get ink on it. I have about seventy thousand boxes in a garage somewhere. It's uh, it's amazing. I used to love seeing my name in the paper, and now it's like I show my daughter, and she's like, "What this? What's this? Yeah. Someday, someday, they're gonna figure out. They're gonna young kids are gonna be really impressed because they say all this stuff on the internet. We can put it on paper, and people can read it. And it's gonna just—it's like how phones are getting bigger now. It's like the whole thing was a small phone in your pocket, and now it's like, oh wow, a bigger phone. Well, Casey, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Before we close today's episode, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know them well by now. It's the Law Office of Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets with a new 15,000-square-foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They handle cases from all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.